Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, today I'm excited about this show because I think it's a topic that's not discussed a lot and a lot of people want to know about it and they they want to understand what it's like um, when you're dating with kidney disease. I mean, when do you tell, you know, will they like me? And today, uh, Joanna Galeas is a born in Los Angeles. She's been raised here and she was diagnosed at age 15 with kidney disease. And 10 years later, her kidneys failed and she had to start dialysis. So Joanna is going to tell us a little bit about her dating experience. So welcome to the show, Joanna. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us what it was like when you were in your early 20s and you know, you knew you had kidney failure. Were you were you thinking about like, oh, I might have to go on dialysis or was that just in the back of your mind and that'll never happen to me? I think I left it in the back of my mind because I was in my, well, I was diagnosed in my mid-teens and then I got my dialysis in my mid-twenties. So that's already a pretty complicated time in and of itself without thinking about kidney disease. So I did not... Maybe this wasn't the best thing to do, but I didn't put it in the forefront of my mind. Um, for my mental sanity and to get through college and high school, I just put it in the back of my mind as just these are just a couple of pills I take to keep everything normal. And it wasn't even thinking to answer your question about um, what would be coming, which would be dialysis, which I knew about, but I just I didn't want to think about it. There was enough going on. When you started dialysis, um, what treatment did you choose? Well, at one of my doctor's appointments, we knew we were getting close to needing to make that decision. And I, I knew about hemo and I knew about peritoneal, but I was staunch that I didn't want PD. I did not want a tube in my belly. That's all I remember telling my doctor. And he, knowing that I was a young person, he said, well, I recommend PD for you. So he said, let me tell you why. Why don't you go downstairs? Because at that time, his office was uh, upstairs in the same building as the dialysis unit. Talk to a nurse. Uh, this is her name. This is how you can find her and have her show you what it looks like, you know, what what you would feel, what it would go through, and then just kind of feel her out. So I remember that visit with the nurse. She was very nice. She showed me uh, like a mannequin of what it would look like, and I was still very much against it. I, it did not convince me. So I prepared to do hemo. I just thought that is the safest way. The nurses know what they're doing. I don't have to worry about anything. So I, I started thinking, I'm going to do hemo. I even, um, I even got a tattoo on the arm where I was going to have my, my fistula, um, just so I would have something pretty to look at in my mind uh, when I would have my, my fistula in my arm. So you decided to go on PD, what was the deciding factor? Well, it was another uh, PD patient. I was on hemo and it was approaching my three month mark when I had to make a choice whether to get the fistula because I had put an emergency catheter uh, when I first got on, on dialysis. So it was approaching the three month mark of when I had to take the emergency catheter out. Um, and I was going to do hemo. And then they sent over a, a PD patient, a young person like me, to talk to. Um, 
And I found out now because they use me to do that, that that's what they do to get new <laughs> patients. Um, and she talked to me and she told me, uh, she, she focused a lot on what would be better, obviously. She said, you know, you don't have to come to clinic um, and then you can eat more freely with PD because you're doing the dialysis daily as opposed to every other day. And I remember she said, you can even have ice cream. You know, which is a big no-no if you're, you know, because you have to watch your phosphorus levels. And I said, tell me more. And she said, well, don't tell the nurse. But when I'm going to have like a, an ice cream or a sundae, I just take, you know, three of the phospho pills, which are what you use to control your phosphorus. Um, I just take three of those and then I'm set, you know, and I was like, okay, cheating on what I can eat. I can, I can dig this. <laughs> Um, and then I also started noticing that the people with the uh, fistula, they would get these uh, lumps in their arms. Um, and I was thinking, well, since I am a candidate for PD uh, and that's something I can put away, you know, all those things started to play a factor. And I said, okay, I'll do the, I'll do the PD. So body image was an important issue for you. Yes. It was and, 25. So yes, 25. So. so let's just fast forward. You started PD and you started dating. So tell us a little bit about your body image and, you know, did you have any, you know, issues when you were dating, you know, telling them you were on dialysis? Tell us a little bit about that. I tried both ways. I, I suppose I was experimenting. Um, I tried telling them early on and I tried telling them later on. And I got mixed mixed uh, results. I would have to preface this that I wouldn't tell them right away. If I went on like one date with a guy, it wasn't exactly, you know, movie conversation that we were having about, you know, what was wrong with me. So if we, if we made it to like date number three or I felt comfortable, um, then I would, I tried telling them at that point. And some guys didn't care. And I remember one guy kind of did care and he went away. You know, he just went away. Well, you know, the good thing about kidney disease is it can keep the jerks away from He you. was he was probably a jerk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because he, he couldn't really tell me, you know, I'm in, I'm I don't feel good about what's going on with you or he he just I but I could tell because I told him in person and his behavior changed. So it was, it was important like uh, attitude cues that I got from him saying um, that he was either scared or he didn't know or you know, it was too much too soon. So maybe maybe he wasn't a jerk and he wasn't ready for that kind of maybe that they just not mature enough maybe to deal not. with it because everybody has issues with their yes. body. So you have a catheter coming out of your stomach area for those of you who don't know what PD is, and you put fluid in your belly, which can make your belly a little bit bigger, but I don't notice it on you at all. Um, so so I know, but how did you come to terms with just feeling comfortable with your body? Because when you're dating, that's you know one of the things that. I feel is important. If you feel comfortable with it, other people are comfortable with it. But if you're not comfortable with your body, then other people pick up on your cues. Exactly. And I think that was maybe why I then went to not telling a guy about it because I wasn't comfortable with it. And when I would tell someone, you know, in those either bad or not bad experience of telling them early on, I would tell them like, like if it, like I was apologetic for it, like, I'm so sorry, this is who I am. And th there's something wrong with me. And that would be my tone. And I think that would be the kind of response I would get maybe like pity, maybe like rejection, because that was the message I was sending. Um, but then as the years went on, 
you know, you get comfortable with yourself as you mature, not just being a PD patient, but being an, an adult. You know, you go through ups and downs and, and you learn to, to become more mature and more confident and just own who you are. So um, my, my current boyfriend, when I told him, I told him the second time we met for coffee. And I told him not in an apologetic way. I told him in a matter of fact way. So set up the scene for me. Uh, we were at Starbucks. And we were just, it was just like a Thursday. We were just meeting for coffee really quick. But I, I felt, you know, you have like a, a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like besides a spark, you have a feeling like, hey, this guy, this guy could be, you know, this guy could be more than just one coffee. So I said, you know what? I'm in a good place in my life. I have a good job. I finished my school. And, you know, I have, my life is complete, you know, all on my own. So this would be a good time to meet someone. And he's giving me that same vibe. So I said, so I need to tell him. So we sat down and I said, hey, I have something to tell you. He's like, okay. I said, don't worry. It's nothing bad. It's just something I think we should get out of the way because we're learning who we are. And I said, "Um, so there's something wrong with my kidneys. I started really basic. You know, I didn't throw out PD or Reno or CKD or (laughs) none of the other crazy acronyms. I just said, there's something wrong with my kidneys. It's been there for a long time. Um, I was diagnosed with the problem when I was 15. It's called chronic kidney disease. It just means I have this chronic problem with my kidneys. And over the years, uh, it's gotten a little worse. So now I have to do dialysis. And then I explained a little bit what dialysis was. Um, And I said, there's two ways. I do it with this water in my tummy and then I take it out. And that means I have a tube in my belly. And then I kind of gave him a moment, you know, because tube in my belly for me, that, that brings back a lot of bad feelings for me. So I needed a moment to say that out loud without feeling bad about it. And then I said, um, so what do you think? You know? (laughs) And he was like, okay. He was just really compassionate about it. And he, instead of like making me feel like, oh, it's so sad for you, or I feel so bad for you. He asked me questions about it. And, you know, so what happens now, you know, in the future, do you get better? You know, do you need a transplant? And that made me feel great. Like he knew a little bit about it. Like he knew, like, when you don't have any kidneys, you probably need a transplant. <laughs> yeah. He didn't, like, say, he knew what the kidneys did. That yes. was a big plus, huh? It, it helped me <laughs> to see that he wanted to know what would happen to me. From a relationship point of view, it told me one thing was he wanted to know what would happen to me in the future, which means he didn't want to stop seeing me after today, in my mind. And then, two, that he wasn't scared that I wanted his kidney which is a problem that would come up sometimes, you know, like like, people think like, if you tell them, you think, oh, does that mean I have to give you mine? You know? Well, what blood type are you? (laughs) (laughs) You're more interested in their health insurance, right? Right. (laughs) And so his reaction was, so what happened after that second date? And then what happened on the third date? Was it brought up again or it wasn't really discussed again? It wasn't. You know, we went over um, that same night. We talked about, you know, how I have to do it every night and I do it at home and there's a machine. So I kind of gave him the part of it that is kind of a daily thing for me, which would explain why I can't, you know, go camping or, you know, go out. You can go camping. I went camping. Let me rephrase. I don't like camping. (laughs) So this is a great excuse excuse. to do camping. You do glamping, right? Yeah, we've done that. We went to Yosemite, but we stayed in a cabin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or why I have to go home at night, why I can't stay and watch like the midnight showing, why I should probably go home because I have to work tomorrow. So I need eight hours of of, of, of home time. Yeah. 
So after that, we didn't really talk about it. I mean, it probably came up a couple dates later if I had something to say, but he made me feel really comfortable where it wasn't an issue and he didn't make me feel like a sick person. So tell us about the first time he saw your catheter. The first time he saw my catheter. Well, I showed it to him. Oh, that day. Yeah, that day. That day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I waited until we went outside because we you were at Starbucks. You didn't want to do it at Starbucks. Like, yes. oh, that's a new straw. <laughs> <laughs> new way of consuming coffee. <laughs> yeah. So before we went home, um, you know, I said, like, I'm going to show it to you just so that you know that it's not weird. It, I, and I say it looks like a chapstick with, like, a straw attached to it, which I think is a good description. You've seen yeah, it. Yeah, so it is. It, yeah, it's like the size for, of a chapstick. had one for nine years. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I just showed him, you know, because it's, like, right around my, it's, like, to the left of my belly button. So it's not like I'm taking off my clothes or anything. Um, and he was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot to take in, so I wasn't expecting a whole lot after that, but I just wanted to get it out there, you know, and make sure if he calls me tomorrow that he likes all of me. Right. You don't want to live in that, like, shame of, you know, everybody has issues. I mean, when I, you know, met, married my husband, he has some different issues. And, you know, when you're sharing different issues, it, it brings you closer. It makes you more intimate on an emotional level. Did you, you know, have you ever experienced that? Yes. And that was exactly what happened. Um, and it was funny because it was, I say our second date, he says it was our third date, but you know, what, two and a half. Right. Um, but when we were, when we we're having that conversation about me being on dialysis, it allowed him to also share with me something very personal about him, you know, which I don't think would have come up, but because I was, you know, strong enough and confident enough in who I am that, you know, he was able to, you know, instead of getting that fear for me, he got that confidence and said, this is a safe place. If she's willing to share, you know, I'm also willing to share. And then that, that, you know, when, when we had like a physical, uh, spark at the beginning, now it was supplemented by this like emotional connection mm -hmm. that was so important. You started to care for him. Yes, exactly. And so tell us about the first intimate encounter you, you had. Um, it was a lot easier because you already knew what was going on with me. So a couple months later, we, it was, uh, it was Valentine's Day, I think. Oh, he's going to kill me when I get home if I got this wrong. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was very sweet. You know, he, uh, he made sure that I was, um, safe and that there was nothing wrong with my catheter, that it wasn't like hurting or pinching me. Um, but other than that, it was, it was non-existent. It was not there other than making sure he didn't like, you know, because it is a catheter, so it is attached to my body. So making sure it wasn't getting tugged at or anything like that. Um, it was like any other intimate encounter anyone else would have um, because we ignored it. Right. You knew it was there and you... We knew it was there. like the puppy in the room, but you didn't really pay attention we to it. We didn't need to because we had already talked about that. So it was, it was like a non-issue, you know. There was a lot more things going on like your first time, right? So it was already exciting enough. And um, I was very thankful at that moment that he already knew, that he knew what it looked like, that he knew I had it, that he knew why I had it, that it wasn't like we had to have this conversation at this moment. It wasn't like sprang on him. So how long have you been dating, Jimmy? Ooh, like three years now. Three years. Yeah. And so you now take have taken the plunge and you're living together. So tell we us what, a is, couple months ago. what it's, you know, like, and you got your, your peritoneal dialysis machine and how do you incorporate that in your lives? And tell us a little bit about your relationship now. I mean, he's such a sweetheart. 
um, you know, before I was obviously not live. I, I moved in with him maybe four months ago. So like two years of our relationship, I was living with my roommate. Um, and he's such a precious person. He knew and he would come over, you know, and we would hang out. And sometimes I would fall asleep and I wouldn't plug in because he would call me. That's what we, you know, plug in means I get the hook up to, to your machine. To my machine. You have to be on like eight hours. I have night. to be on eight hours. And then he would usually, if he didn't come over that day, he would call me and we would talk for, you know, how was your day? That kind of thing. Um, so if I didn't answer, then he didn't know if I had plugged in. So he would either come over or call my roommate and say, um, her name's Margie and say, Margie, is she plugged in? <laughs> Um, and if he was nearby, because we kind of live nearby, he would just stop by and check. And sometimes, sometimes I wasn't. And I was going to, but I had fallen asleep. So I would, I would wake up at two and be like, oh, crap, you know, and deal with my machine. But um, he would come and he would bring me a box because we kept them downstairs. Uh, and I was really groggy sometimes. And he would help me, although he still doesn't really, at that point, knew how to set it up. He would like bring me the bags and, you know, kind of help me set it up. And that meant so much to me that he would care enough to not just say, oh, well, she didn't pick up, you know, yeah. but just care. And and now that we're together, living together, um, he does that sometimes. He, he brings my boxes every night. We keep them out in the shed um, and I set it up. But sometimes I get home and it's really late or I've gone out uh, to party with my girlfriends and you know <laughs> and I'm getting home really late so he'll have a box ready or now he even knows how to set up the machine so if it's like 2 a.m and I'm not home which doesn't happen that often but it does then uh, he's set it up for me before so where I get home and I'm like super tired and my feet hurt from dancing and I'll come in and everything's set up I mean how amazing is that you know not only does he care and he loves me for who I am and we're living together, but he has the extra thought to say, oh, she's going to need this. Right. You know. To make your life easier. I'm going to move into the section of, of safe sex and, you know, being pregnant. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think it's important because some people think if you're on dialysis, you you can't get pregnant. And that's not true. Not true. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know people who've had successful babies with you know, being on dialysis, but it's not all that easy. It's, you know, something you have to give thought to if you want to consider it. Even with the transplant, I mean, I decided not to have kids because of when I had my third transplant in 1990 and it was my early 20s, they said, you know, you'll probably lose this transplant if you ever get pregnant because I'm so little and, you know, it was my third kidney and it was, you know, my creatinine was two point two so it wasn't the best. So can you explain a little bit about how yeah. you think about that? Yeah. Well, Always practice safe sex, whoever's listening. I don't care how old you are. Well, when we were dating before we moved in together, you know, when we did have uh, sex, we always used a condom. Um, and it, it wasn't so much, uh, of course, to avoid getting pregnant, but just because it's safe sex. I mean, I'm getting to know you, you're getting to know me, and let's just be safe, right? Um, and then after we still use condoms to have sex. Oh my God, he's going to kill me. I'm sharing so much, but he's fine. He's fine. I told him, I prefaced it. Um, because you have uh, to make him dinner tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have to pull out the shrimp tonight. Um, so like now that we're together and we've been together for three years going on four, um, I want to have kids. Um, but I'm on dialysis. So while I could, me and my doctor agree that it's not the best 
because it would put a lot of strain on my body and I would never want to risk the life of my baby or, or of me really, um, when I know I can wait. So we, we practice safe sex, um, and when the time comes, you know, hopefully I'll get a transplant soon and then we'll start our family. And we've talked about it. So we're both on board. Um, it's just a matter of waiting, you know, because now I know I want to be with him and now I know I want to have kids with him. So now my body just needs to catch up to that. So, um, yeah, we practice safe sex because we always have and we don't want to have kids at this time. I know having kids is a big deal. And you, you're like me. You have puppies. Oh. So that's a good way to, you know, <laughs> test out the waters. If, if, if they, they treat the kids like they treat the dogs, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We went, um, we went and got two puppies about uh, two months ago. Yeah. Um, and we were going to get one, but then we got two. So maybe that'll happen. We have kids. We'll have twins. And last week I got a fish. I mean, I'm just, I'm just swimming in it now. I know. It's great. <laughs> well, any advice you have to people who are listening that are dating and they think, oh, I can't date. I have kidney disease. Or they're feeling a little insecure that nobody would love them because they're, quote, damaged goods. Um, any advice you want to share? Uh, yeah. And I, and I think a lot of it will come from their own lives and their own experience because even though my friends and my family told me that I I was a full person and I could have anything anyone else could have it still inside it still didn't feel that way so it took it took some trial and error um and it took being alone and being comfortable with being single and being happy and just going out with my friends and realizing I'm just a normal person so I would say you know if you hear this that you you are fine. You're you're just another person, and dialysis could be just like you know. Other people have other issues, like you've said before. We all have our issues, so you have to feel good about yourself, whether you're with someone or not. To to when to really know when that person comes along, you you have to be ready. So you know, I worked on myself for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I didn't date anyone for a while because I I I, I didn't I didn't I didn't want to waste each either of our times, because I knew I wasn't in a good place. So why bother? Right. Right. So I had to wait until I was comfortable saying, you know what, I'm alone this Christmas. And that's fine. I don't have to cry any sappy songs. I can just be my (laughs) my family. And then, you know, and then life, you know, I'm a strong believer that you you bring around the energy that you put out. So it wasn't until I let go of that fear of being less than that I was able to, you know, attract the kind of energy that I needed in my life. You know, I want to echo that because, you know, once you start to make yourself happy and you don't, if you're looking for a guy to make you happy, you you are not going to succeed. But you want a guy or, you know, you want a guy in your life to be happy, but you don't need a guy in your life to be happy. And I think that that's an important distinction. And, you know, I just celebrated 17 years of, you know, being married to Dean. And it was, I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, here I've had 40 plus surgeries, four transplants, I mean, my whole life. But you know, he loves me so much. I mean, sometimes it even like, oh my goodness. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he gives me an anniversary card every month since we've been married. Oh my God. And er, uh, the 18th, Jimmy, are you listening? I know. I mean, men hate him. <laughs> I know. As soon as they know that, they like give him glares and they, you know, like go to the corner. 
but every single month, and I, you know, and I went through that stage of growing up, and I grew up with Miss America runner-up, and I was the girl who was, you know, when we go to a nightclub, I always sat and watched the purses, you know? I mean, I was that girl, you know? Nobody was, like, asking me to dance, and, and uh, because, you know, I'm shorter, I, you know, I was... I'm taller than I look, but I'm only 4'11", and, and it's, it, you know, it, it, once I decided to just pursue what made me happy, make a difference, you become a program of attraction, and I, it was amazing. Once I switched that, I would travel, and, like, guys would hit on me at the airplane. I'm like, what? What's going on? You know, it was a different experience because I had confidence, exactly. and I felt good about myself, exactly. and that is the most attractive thing you can have, but you have to, like you said, work on it. It doesn't happen by watching TV. I mean, you know, sitting there and watching, you know, daytime TV. Oh, I'm going to feel better about myself. No, that'll make you feel worse. <laughs> yeah, that'll make you feel worse for sure. No, it's just getting out there and realizing you can do things by yourself, yes. you know, or you could do it with a group of friends or find a new group of friends. Right. If they don't accept you and, you know, friends have sometimes they just have, you know, a cycle and then right. you just have nothing else in common with them and then you move on to find new friends it's not like you don't care about them but you can't keep old relationships going and your your that, interests change yeah your interests change and tell me how did you meet jimmy oh i went online because it was um you know during the holiday time they have this thing on eHarmony where it says join for free and my best friend she has started dating someone um seriously so i was like well my best friend's going to be busy for the next couple of weeks, so <laughs> why not click on this thing? It's free anyway, but the, they get you because when it's free, you can't see any photos of anyone. So I started, <laughs> so I would like talk to two guys and then I was, I was like, well, they seem nice, but I don't know what they look like. And I am a firm believer that you need a spark. You need that first kind of like, I like you. I mean, you could be a great guy, but if I have no spark with you, then we're just going to be friends. So I, I, I paid to see the photos. Oh, my God. They were not good <laughs> sparks. <laughs> so then I was like, darn, because they trick you. You have to join for three months. That's a minimum. So I was like, okay. So every day I would get, um, like, your matches, you know. So in, And they send you so many that, I, you know, after a week or so, I was like, I can't look at these anymore. But Jimmy, he, because eHarmony, I have to go into the details for you to understand why he's so adorable. eHarmony e has four steps. Like, you have to do true and false questions, multiple choice, short answer, something like that. And the fourth one is direct contact, where you can write to the person. So Jimmy just skipped all of the steps with me. He just went straight to step number four, which I didn't know you could do. So he writes me this email, and it says something like, is a three-ton penguin enough to break the ice? And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, how did you do that? You know, and then that's how we started talking. So, and then I saw his picture, obviously, and I thought, oh, well, that's a good-looking fella right there. So, uh, yeah, he was, that's how we met online. And um, it's, you've been dating now for over three years. Mm -hmm. huh? Well, mm -hmm. maybe there's a marriage in the future. Can I make the favors? I like to make favors. So just, just, oh, sure. just, just, just a heads up on that. Sure. But yeah, I met <laughs> Dean. I mean, I was giving a speech at Toastmasters and, you know, he saw me give a speech and then, you know, he ended up asking me out. And my first question was, is like, you know, when they're giving you the, I like you vibes, you're like, well, what's wrong with him? You know, I mean, that's your first because, you know, you still have that self-critic in your head that always self-doubts you and you just got to make it, 
you know, go away. But um, yeah, he's a wonderful guy and I'm very lucky. So, well, thank you, Joanna. Thank you for thank sharing you. your story and, oh, you know, welcome. embarking on some personal issues, but I'm sure the listeners will enjoy this and, you know, learn from it. And you know what? Anybody can find love. Everyone deserves to find love. So everyone has someone out there for them. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.